Here at the Still 80 Mania podcast, we are passionate about drifting history. Here's a little history lesson. Back in 2003, Falcon Tires did what no other tire company in the US did. They promoted drifting by sponsoring Falcon Drift Show Off, and they brought legendary Japanese drifters Koguchi and Sego Yamamoto to judge and do demos. They sponsored grassroots drivers, and when FD was established, they supported the series and drivers for 19 years. When we approached Falcon about partnering with us, they were happy to come on board because they care about drifting culture and they Support our mission to document drifting both past and present. Thank you, Falcon Tires, for playing an important role in drifting around the world and for making season two our best season yet. For more information, please visit Falcon Tires' website at falcontire.com and check out their IG at Falcon Tire. Listening to the Silly Mania podcast season two, brought to you by Falcon Tires. Here we document the history of drifting by interviewing the OGs and trendsetters of drifting culture. I'm your host, Benson Sue, and I'm joined by my co host, Nadine. Hey, honey, hey, mama. How are you?、Mm, I'm, I'm good. Good. And we've got our audio, video, Wizard over there in the booth. Mark, what's up, Mark? What's up? How you guys doing? Well, I'm happy. We're together and I had some pretzel buns this morning, so、mm. I'm good. Mmm, <laughs> buns. <laughs> so, stop. <laughs>、uh, I have a game for you guys for this interview and it's related to our guest. Oh,、okay. so the game is fill in the blank. Oh, I、I'm、can gonna, do this. I'm going to go through and I'm going to ask each of you the same thing. And the prompt is, I am thankful for the UK because of blank. Oh, okay. Can I go first? Yeah, you can go first. Okay. I am thankful to the UK for my family because I am 20% Scottish. Is, are you hey, exactly hey. 20%? I am.、Okay. I am. My mom tells me we're half, but we're not because I saw the genealogy thing and、uh-huh. it's, it's 20. 20%. Okay. 20%. So I am, I'm thankful for my、okay. family. You're UK ish.、Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do a fake <laughs> accent because I don't really know what. No, we don't、yeah. want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, Mark? I am thankful for the Aston Martin DB9. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs>、uh, like the current one? No, the one that was like、uh, the DB9. Oh, which one? Oh. So the original DB9 after the DB7. Okay. Okay. That's just one of my favorite cars. Yeah. I know. We got some of those here, right?、Mm-hmm. And、uh, it was really cool to see those on the street because we just we never got any Aston Martins here. So to see one like、yeah. a modern one and they sound good too. Yeah, I mean, the, the DB9 was like right after the DB7, which is kind of old. If you look、yeah. at the interior, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was the last, to me, it was like the last cool one. Mm, mm, yeah. That's good. How do you like that? That's okay, good. Okay, we're going to. Well, my, I got to play the game. I'm going to play the game. All right, all right. So, my answer is I'm thankful for LMA because the singer oh, LMA. Oh, yes.、Um, I think she's amazing. Yeah. And we love her. F- for a, a singer, I'm like, when I found out she's British, I was like, she's not British. And then I researched <laughs> and then I could hear her accent. And I was just like, because she has so much soul.、Um, it sounds like, as an RB singer, sounds very American to me.、Mm. Um, but she's kind of the, the from things、Brooklyn. that she sings about. Yeah, she lived in Brooklyn for a little bit, but、yeah. as an adult and、yeah. not that long. So, yeah, anyway, yeah. 
mind blown when I found out she was British. So nice. All right. Thank okay. you, UK. Hey, that's cute. That's a cute game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so the reason why I brought that up and that's a part of this episode is because our guest is from the UK. Oh. So okay. this guest has been a really long friend of mine. And um we met on the internet. <laughs> that sounds really sketchy. He was kind of like uh, you know, my pen pal. Bringing your internet friends we, we, onto the yeah, show. Yeah, bringing now. my internet friends on. Um, but you know, it's it's because of the internet that drifting has spread so fast. And uh, so this guy, he is an OG of drifting and AE86s in the UK. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of his accomplishments here because he's a humble person and he will probably not bring it up on his own. So let me read some accomplishments for you guys. Uh, he placed fifth in the Option Drift Club D1 final of 2003. Um, in Eurodrift 2005 round two, he got third and was voted the best entertainer. <laughs> what? I'm not sure. Is that like Nomuken or is it like entertaining driving? I'm not sure. Uh, in 2005, of uh, the Eurodrift round three, he got second. Round four, he got second. In 2006, round two, he got second. 2006, round three, he got second. 2006, round four, he got second. And in Eurodrift 2006, round six, he got first. Oh, finally. Um, SV at SVA Imports Drift Challenge, he got first. Drift All-Stars 2007, he got first. Wow. In EDC 2007, new license holder, he got first place. He got awarded a uh, hard the hard charger award and in drift cup 2015 round two he got the hard charger award so he's, so he's kind of a badass kind he's of. a badass he's, kind of, he's been yeah. on the podium a lot and i would also say that in the uk it's not big on low power mm -hmm. drift car culture mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. he was always one of the few with the low horsepower you know, Hachirokus, and he can drive the hell out of a Hachiroku. Um, so without further ado, Chris Perry, aka Pause, welcome to the podcast. Yay! Thank you very much for having me. <clears throat> welcome, Chris. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me. It's it's an honor. Welcome, yeah. Pause. It's well overdue. I'm so glad you can make time to get on the podcast with us. And you've got a drawing behind you can wow. you even tell what they're supposed to be that's the first uh question. yeah i <laughs> see my best <laughs> i see uh an s13 with a sylvia face with uh with oni camber i see a levin an a86 yeah. levin with uh i don't know is that a good line bumper it was supposed to be a good line bumper and a drop a vent hood I like it. I like it. It's a silly demonia. <laughs> that brings me back to uh, some of the art that we used to share with each other. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna write like oat cakes. Oat cakes. Yeah, I was gonna say where's oat no cakes. No one else would know what the hell was going on, so I gave that one a miss. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's jump right into it. Um, I wanted to ask you to kind of introduce us to UK culture because I think I'll, well, I know that a lot of my listeners and viewers uh, they're from the US. We have some scattered yeah. across the, around the world, but mostly in the U.S. So I wanted to ask, can you introduce us to some, some U.K. slang? Oh, 
well, the ones that we've 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 discussed stuff in the past that we're probably not going to be saying on the podcast before because yeah. it's very rude. Yes, rude. <laughs> rude basics. is okay, but uh, how about vulgar is another. Story. Yeah, vulgar is different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, basic stuff, isn't it? You guys always calling things hoods and, and trunks, and that's yeah. not right. It's, oh, was uh, not right. And bonnets, guys. Oh my god, <laughs> boots and bonnets. Boots and bonnets. But like, yeah. we're so like silly here that we call fenders wings. But if I buy an Origin Aero kit, it's over fenders. So I, uh, I don't know. It oh, doesn't make really? any sense. So I didn't yeah, know that. even an over fender kit, a fifty mil over fender kit. So you guys know what a fender is, even though you don't. Yeah, yeah. Call them we just fenders. Stubborn. Yeah, we call them wings, which makes doesn't make much sense, really, does it? Because then, what do you call a spoiler? Is it a spoiler? Do you call spoiler, it a spoiler yeah. on the rear? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Sounds pretty backwards. Front, front lips. We call front lips splitters. Yeah. Okay, I get, I oh, so, get, that. Yeah, we get that. So what do you call, I mean, we have splitters, and splitters are kind of like an aerodynamic thing that you put underneath a, a front bumper to... Yeah, to okay. Well, we what are those? Slang. Same thing, but like, it's um, any any old rubbish that can be stuck on the front of a car gets called a splitter. So like, <laughs> <laughs> if it was early US-style A86 Home Depot garden... Garden tool mm -hmm. That's a splitter. Liner, that's mm -hmm. a splitter, yeah, any of the splitter. Anything, okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, except we didn't have any Home Depot lining over here. You guys, do you have Home Depot there? No. Okay. Hence no lining. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of cool that you remembered Home Depot. I remember all Andy Yen's brown Corolla with it on. That's in right. The, in the, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of them had it on. It was cool, man. That's right. That's right. What about spotted dick? Oh. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's it's a private. thing. That's I, I've never eaten it. I don't want to eat it. You didn't eat. Oh, you've no. never eaten spot and dick. No, it doesn't pause, sound appealing in the slightest. Pause, does you it? gave me. <laughs> you. You gave me spotted dick. For, oh my god, this Christmas. sounds really bad. Can you? Or you guys, gave me spotted dick for Christmas. Can you guys? Yeah. Like, put this into context, though, because it sounds really bad what you guys are saying right now. Like, can you explain? Uh, I, I mean, cakes. I don't like cakes that are like brown. <laughs> And spotted dick is brown, as far as I'm aware. Like all, no, no, all like no. raisins and stuff. I don't no, like, like it. Go back to the basics. What is spotted okay. dick? Because we in America know what spotted dick is, but it's different. That's that's <laughs> something you go to the doctor for. Yeah, you get. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what the actual ingredients are. I could find out, but it's just just a cake or a pudding. So it's a dessert. After, it's a yeah, can. And I, is it usually canned? Yeah. Okay, it's a canned yeah. dessert. Because I I seen it. At our store one time. Yeah, you did. And I go, what? <laughs> what is in this? the world? Yeah. So how is this even allowed? Yeah. Yeah. Did you eat that cake? Or I, did, I did pudding? eat it. I did eat it. But now I'm mad at you because you you gave it to me and you've never had it yourself. <laughs> no, but I think I only really sent it for the comedy value. Oh, okay, I was. It wasn't meant to be eaten. <laughs> Might be okay. I'm just not brave enough. It wasn't brave bad. Brave enough. I was giggling the whole time, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> Every mouthful is just laughing to yourself. <laughs> the best Every, cake ever. <laughs> Every mouthful of spotted dick. That's great, guys. Well, I, yeah. I have another one. So I was stalking you on oh, the Driftworks blog page. And there's this like little intro page in it. And it's like, you wrote it. And then you, there's this sentence that really like threw me off. And I had to read it like three times. I'm going to quote you. You said, I saw my first drifting clip 
on the internet sometime in 99, about the same time as a few other certain nutters. <laughs> what is nutters? <laughs> like, a few other certain nutters. Can you explain? Yeah, like, um, nutters are just, it's slang, and it's, I suppose, a little derogatory, really. But I was younger then, well, like, so maybe I didn't realize. But it's just for people who are crazy. Like, crazy. actually nutty. insane. Like someone's yeah, nutty. Like, nutty or... The nutty professor. Who... Oh, okay, okay, got it. It's nothing, nothing rude. If that's where you were going with, with that. <laughs> no, no, I didn't know, but yeah, okay, cool. All right. Sorry. Are there any like, um, are there any <laughs> expletives that you use on a daily basis that is very British, like Great Scott or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I'm riding around on my penny farthing, <laughs> I'm Great Scott at people. <laughs> um, I don't know. They're like the best ones are the really bad ones that you got. You don't want to say. It begins with the C, and it's very rude. But I have noticed that in American TV series the last few years, the word has started to to get into you guys's like series and programs and things like that. Uh huh. It's it's, an, it's, a, it's the worst swear word I think. S spell so it. I'm not going to say it. Spell it. <laughs> See you next Tuesday. Oh. Oh. oh okay. <laughs> oh, you guys okay. use that See daily. Daily. Wow. Daily. As, as that is not used daily here. I mean, if you're mad all the time, yeah, you can call people that all day. Yeah, it's just like a comma over here or a punctuation. Wow. Yeah. What? You guys are a bunch of dirty <laughs> sailors. Jeez. Bunch of dirty oh, geezers. American, Americans <laughs> come Jesus. visit. Well, do you use that? Like, okay, give me a. Just call it C. So use it in a sentence. Like, tell me, how would you? It's use used it? the same way, like, right? Or is it used like yeah. dude? Yeah, yeah, it's used like the word a descriptive for a person, like dude or guy or whatever. It's, what? It's prolific. We love it. I don't get it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yes. <laughs> From the creators of the English language. <laughs> yeah, we've ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, Chris, I, I call you Chris because we're interviewing Chris Perry, but I call you Pause. Yeah, no one really. No one calls you Chris. Are, yeah, no one calls me Pause. Chris. You have a lot of nicknames. Pause, Perry. I, yeah. I can't keep track of them all. Yeah, too many. Every week there'll be some other <laughs> slightly dubious name that gets applied because <laughs> of something I've done or said, you know? So I want to know, uh, this is something I ask all of my guests. When did you fall in love with drifting? It's the best question. Um, mine is similar to all the people of our era essentially but there's a lot of small things that that, that occurred and came together all all at a similar sort of time but yes yeah, 1999 first car passed my test had a japanese car and um we had just got the internet like dial-up style and it took forever to load a picture yeah and videos you would have to walk away and come back the next day yeah. to download a four meg clip you know the kind this was uh like um, dial-up Dial-up internet, dial-up style, okay. yeah. So obviously, I was looking because I I knew I didn't know any better. I wanted a really bad body kit for my car, like you saw in the this car Honda was it? Scene in was the this States. the Starlet? Uh, no, I had a Suzuki Swift GTI first. Oh, which was, okay. I'd love one now if I could find one, but anyway, that's another story. Um, so I wanted a body kit. I wanted it to look like the Hondas that you guys had because that's all we knew was that's what you did with the Japanese car. Mm -hmm. So in looking for that sort of thing i stumbled on a few pages here and there um can you give us a first... date 
like a year? This still ninety nine. Ninety nine. Say okay. Yeah, maybe maybe just rolling over to two thousand when I started looking and um, I can't remember where it was, but it was a random. I, it's like burned into my psyche. This random clip. It was a pixelated pink one eighty SX doing doing a drift, and I was like, well, "That's cool," but I didn't really pay much attention to following it up. But as more things just came to me, more websites that I found, um, like the the obvious one with time was velocity racing there was a lot of guys yeah. on there yeah yourself included yeah um and then there was more pictures from mike craig um i went to dj electric dj electric yeah <laughs> I, it took me a while to, I, I remember his first name was dj mike but i couldn't remember his second name for ages like dj electric was what he was called yeah strange name um but yeah we went to like a car show and there was a86s but i didn't know they were a86s they were just gold and burgundy and black like the worst colors but yeah. the best colors now doing donuts and i thought well that looks fun oh really they were the irish guys you know the, the irish scene for a86s is huge and so they were that, they, they were, were early just, they just did donuts like they, that, a million donuts okay forever and ever, donuts forever. so you know like what were they donuts or were they like um you know rap video burnouts all of them they, they would just hammer the cars like limited for it was, 10 minutes at a time it was just like <laughs> hooning yeah yeah okay. but the the car looked cool and i didn't know what it was and it just it was compelling okay and it led me to start searching and then you hit the the jackpot when you find slide squad yeah early days slide squad and this this was probably months and months of me looking and searching and so on um then you found his video page and the video of asamoto coming over the hill at uh, nishi long i think and then the toge course was opening and dave was there yeah and I saw those videos and I was like, I have to have a go of this. Yeah. Like this is this is something that you know, we we've all watched like WRC and touring cars and stuff in the nineties, but we couldn't do that. But drifting was something that a normal person could could mm. do. And they, yeah, I just saw it those videos and just eyes open, had to have a go. And uh, yeah, it just it sort of stemmed from there. Um it's all the internet's fault and then your fault as well. So thanks. Oh, I'm being blamed. <laughs> so it was kind of a gradual falling in love with it. There wasn't like an aha yeah. moment for you. It was, I, I, from immediately I wanted to do it, but financially not really that possible. And also the stigma of what we now know as A86s and um, 200 SX and stuff. As a young guy, where I lived, you didn't have that kind of car. You had a GTI or you had an RS Turbo Escort or you had. Yeah. So every time I would, and then that's not because you're young and you kind of want to be, you want to have approval, I suppose, in your circle of friends or whatever, mm -hmm. however it is. If you just didn't go out and buy those cars, you, you stuck you stuck with what you knew. Right. But it took a while of this itching away at me before I thought, I thought well, you know, I'm just going to have a go anyway, even if this car isn't cool. Yeah. Uh, or the guys are, who, who we go out and, do silly things in cars with I don't know what this is and aren't going to approve you, you you know get over it and think no I'm just going to do this yeah this has to happen and that's probably why it took me a little while to finally commit right you had to gather the courage and just uh yeah just to to throw away what the normal thing was and yeah. go for it really. right because also a86s weren't I think they weren't readily available in the UK right you could oh, yeah even then when they were how old would they be? They wouldn't be that old. They'd be like 14 years old. Yeah. And you'd you have... You didn't see them. You'd have to import them. 
No, we had UK versions. Oh, you did? They they was yeah, they were called the GT Coupe. It was what it was, it was okay. another version of their range. They had the front wheel drive version and that. But you just you didn't see them on the road. You didn't see people driving them. <clears throat> you didn't see, you know, when you went out to like the boy racer meets and stuff. Yeah. There, there was there just wasn't any on the roads even then. So yeah, you did you just didn't come across them. And right. They were never in our. They were never in magazines. They were never in the popular sort of culture, so to speak. And I don't remember how we met. Pause. How, do you? Not exactly. I think it would just be probably from Velocity, the BBS. Okay. Uh, just chatting and whatever. Then your BBS probably migrated to there a little bit. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Do you think that that, people, that would be the beginning? Do you think people listening know what a BBS is? No. <laughs> point, they're actually. like i know bbc even if you say forum i don't know yeah it's like reddit <clears throat> but you know everyone had a little reddit on their websites and that was called a forum or a bbs right yeah, yeah. something just... bulletin system i can't remember the first word <laughs> but i remember uh when we first started talking you had a website <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah tell us about your website yeah. Um, I thought it was. I mean, looking back, I was. It was pretty cool, I, I think. But at the time, it was just you were bored. I had MS Paint on this PC, so like yeah. I could make <laughs> really bad artwork and stuff, and modify images a little bit. And uh, yeah, it was hasheria.net because I was like, you saw my email the other day and laughed about it because it's the same email from like 23 For years so ago. long, yeah. Yeah, Wangan Racer. Yeah. So that was before drifting, I suppose. Yeah. And um. Yeah, and I remember on the front website. page you had your little your you had your starlet on the on the cover and it was on a like kind of a, a very subtly sloped road. And yeah. that was your toge, right? That's yeah, that's that what was, I remember. That was the, the local Yeah, the local popular spot where all the motorbikers would go to crash into walls and things. Yeah. And uh, we would go in our cars and no speed cameras back then. Whew. Yeah. And that was I mean that was that was it. Yeah, it was that. It was a look into what I thought Japanese car culture was, and trying to spread that to England on a little GeoCities platform. Yeah, and it was um, talked about drifting and toge and highway racing, um, the cars that people use, and it was just kind of just inspired by the Velocity page. I realistically, when I look back, it was mm-hmm. kind of a a little extension of that, I suppose. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I thought it was quite cool at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool. I still I still see it in my head. So let's let's jump ahead. Uh I remember you imported a car, right? Was that your your black A eighty six, your first A eighty six? My first A eighty six was a UK car. A UK car, okay. A, a UK GT coupe. Yeah. Um, I swapped that for my Starlet Turbo. The Starlet Turbo cost me a lot of money because you didn't have things like that in England. Yeah. Some guy crashed in the back of it, wrote it off pretty much, so it was I paid like six thousand pounds for it back then, and it was worth about two thousand pounds, which happened to be the value of an A eighty six. Oh, and the guy wanted my car; he was willing to fix it and didn't want the A eighty six anymore. So we just did a swap. Nice. So I lost a bunch of money, but I got an, an easy A eighty six that already had coilovers and things like that because the guy used to race circuit days in it and things like that. And that was the first one, the black one, wow. and that took me on like the first journey, basically. Nice. What part of the UK are you in? Uh, it's a lovely town called Stoke-on-Trent. It's like the Midlands, technically. Um, about an hour from Birmingham. 
Oh, okay. An hour for break. Okay. Yeah. I get it. So uh, let's talk about those early days. You you got your Hachiroku. Yeah. Um, did you start drifting right away? Uh, how did all of that, like, did Badly. you meet other people that were interested in the same thing you were interested? How did all that go down? Yeah. Um, quite lucky with that. I bought the car just to do drifting. That was like, I'm going to get this car. I'm going to learn how to drift. That's all I wanted to do. And of course, I've been making this web page and going on about it so much that like the guys who I used to hang around with, um, drive cars with and stuff, they were already interested because I just wasn't stopping talking about it. And at, at this point, there's a guy in States who I made like email friends with called Brian Fishback. I don't know if you remember him. And he used to send me ripped VHSs of option videos and things like that. Uh -huh. And um, I would just put them on repeat, basically. And all the guys were like just fed up of it. I got my A86. My friend Adrian got a 200SX, which is which is 180SX essentially, but with the he right. renamed it a 200SX for reasons. Even though it had a 1.8 engine, yeah. which makes sense. Um, oh, and so, just yeah, to give some context, there was no drifting then in the UK. Not not that I knew knew of. Like there was a couple of guys who I'd spoke to on email just because I'd seen they had an interest in it. And there was one person that I saw doing um, actual drifting in real life at a car show uh, at Silverstone Race Circuit. And uh, he had an R32 Skyline at the time. That's the first person I saw. And it was like, whoa, there's actually someone else who's gone out and is, is learning to do this sort of okay. thing. So you saw it, but he was not experienced. I didn't know him. He he was just he was just one of those guys who's pretty naturally talented. Saw okay. some videos and thought I can do this, and sort of just could straight away. Not not to a high level, but yeah. he was happy power sliding around the big long corners at okay. Silverstone on a demonstration day. And I got in touch with him after because like I was mind blown. Um, so I had a little circle of friends around me that time. Some that lived locally, and some that were a little bit distant who were all starting to get interested in drifting. Yeah. Um, and that was that was sort of the the very f the first where we just got together and had a few meets here and there and talked about it and tried it on the roads a little bit and that went really not well because none of us knew what we were doing and yeah you know it, it was ignorance and youth i think you just you don't realize the consequences or whatever right and um, but where else are you going to start as well because there's no events there's there's nothing nowhere to go right and um england of course famous for its roundabouts so that's kind of what you did try to learn on roundabouts and that's why I'm more comfortable drifting right than I am left. Right. <laughs> because it's the way all the roundabouts go to this day sort of thing. And that's, yeah, that's kind of how the start of our little scene for me locally yeah. started. Uh, who was um, doing that stuff with you? Uh, so that was me and Adrian were local. Uh -huh. um, he, I think he had the first five stud converted 180SX by the time we pulled all the bits off. It was quite cool to have gtr wheels on a car that early yeah and then there was some guys down in the in the around silverstone james with the r32 that i spoke of he had a little crew down there and i would say they were the first they, like the first two pockets and from there james organized a few events they're really low-key um on a like a, an airfield basically that we had to stop drifting for the little light aircraft to land sometimes. That's how sort of <laughs> not legit it was, but they were cool with it. They they made us wet the surface, but it was somewhere that we could go legally yeah. and um, try to learn. Uh, all, all, all while this was happening, there was a tuna around the corner from the Silverstone Race Circuit, 
and uh, he just I didn't know him but James then got to know him and he had all the things like uh, SR powered 180SX with Blitz Aero Kit, Blitz Wheels, mm-hmm. Big Turbo, Cusco Roll Cage, all this sort of stuff because he was like so far ahead of the curve. Yeah. And he, yeah, he was just like a G at the time. And uh, he also started putting on events. So we, we, we were quite fortunate, really. We had a couple of options. And then um, the, the guy who ran that tuning company somehow, and I don't know how to this day, but used to rent out the entirety of Silverstone race motor circuit or whatever the official name is just for like 15 or 20 of us idiots to pay him a hundred pound yeah to drift the entire circuit wow wow and i think it was like i don't even know thousands and thousands of pounds an hour to rent and um yeah we, we were lucky enough to go there but none of us knew what to do like right. this is third and fourth gear corners and we barely can get round a roundabout or some cones in the rain yeah <laughs> but um yeah very fortunate to to have that springboard to get us going sort of thing yeah definitely and yeah from from the back of that more people started doing it i guess little little extra pockets for people yeah you're so lucky because we had to start in the parking lot with like drifting yeah. around light poles and cones and they didn't let us in the track like we couldn't go on the track yeah it was just it, it's sort of gone the <laughs> other way in england now it started out because they were naive to it yeah come and do your new thing yeah. and then they saw him like no you can't do that anymore right. <laughs> get out yeah i'm like yeah, one away. of the most famous racetracks in the world right yeah and we had like there's a few people who were naturally good at it like saint james one of them but most of us were just terrible yeah just wobbling around basically and going in the gravel pits and it's f1 spec gravel so once you're in you're not coming out <laughs> yeah. like you're a foot deep and your car's kind of ruined yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's a brief overview. There's lot, lots more little intricacies and ins and outs of people and places and times, but that would be the first bunch of people okay. um, that, when, that started. When does Night Spirit come into the picture? Um, that was also quite early on. Because of my little Hashiria website, and I was aware that teams were a thing, drift teams were a thing, and you could only dream of having the same cars all painted the same color. That was something that was just above and beyond what normal people could achieve back then. Yeah. Like we didn't even have coilovers, you know, right. we had to order coilovers from Japan and wait for six months. Right. Um, so I wanted to make that team and I wanted it to be, to have the ethos of the Japanese teams where if, because some of us just still liked street racing, I want to call it, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not exactly that, but we wanted to do it in a, a manner that was similar to what the Japanese did, which was only do it when it's safe to do so sort of thing. Yeah. Don't endanger other people on the road. Right. Make sure you keep your, your, your business out of the way kind of thing, yeah. as well as doing the drifting, because I was still interested in both at that time. So, yeah, me and um, this guy called Mark made a little team. And at the start, it was when I had the Starless and stuff. There was no there was no drifting. It was just me in my car and his, him, um, his MR2 Turbo that he had which was way faster than my car, but, you know, it's just how it was. And uh, then it just branched out as I started meeting more people and they were all like-minded and they'd all watch these same VHSs that were sort of doing the rounds. Yeah. The VHS, folks, is an old-fashioned CD-ROM. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they'd all watch Drifting and they were lots of, you know, just like-minded people and we started asking questions. Hey, do you want to be part of this team and try and make something of it? Which was kind of before, before other people 
had that idea and i know it's not like a revolutionary thing but to us it was it was pretty cool then it was then, um it's so easy to to find all kinds of subcultures these days with social media and the internet mm. but uh, you know back in those days um there were not very many websites out there like if you were yeah. if you are a professional business you know you probably had a website but a lot of them still you didn't right so to yeah to, to find common interests about drifting from other people on the internet it was kind of like a common bond that we had just because there wasn't a lot of information yeah. on it um and it wasn't widely known and it kind of felt like something underground and really cool yeah it was that underground feeling that cool feeling and that sense of identity almost that i kind of got from it's like i could kind of go to work knowing that after work i'm going to have something that i'm going to do that no one else is going to do sort of yeah thing. and i enjoyed that that part of it as well um and then yeah everybody else we didn't we were we were spread around the country there were little pockets like say there's a, a few near me and a few down south and a few in the midlands but we would meet up in the future particularly there was a quite a long period where um, all of us would just cruise on out to events go drifting with six seven eight cars all with a little banner in the front of the windshield and um it was just really good to see um, and if, if you notice now in uh, some of Phil's cars, Phil Morrison from Driftworks, he's still got the Night Spirit banner in the back of the That's awesome. LS86 and his S15. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just just a nice little homage to the, the times we spend. But it was cool driving down the motorway, all of us in little Corollas, like just having the worst day, but going to an event. It was excellent. Yeah. It made everything it made everything more fun, basically. And that's the the takeaway from drifting. I think is the people you meet more than anything else. You make it you meet sound. People who <laughs> lifelong friend you make it sound so sweet and like butterflies and and <laughs> very fantasy like like is that were there any misfits or like mean people or I, I don't know about you but i mean when we were doing drifting there was always like that one person that's like oh getting attention or they're the spectacle or maybe they're not mean but they're weird like we were all the weird ones, I think. Like, we were the weird guys, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, you guys played nice. Like, it sounds like you guys all had a really nice bond. Like, it was a smaller group, always. Yeah, yeah. We, together, yeah. like, it was always fine. There was obviously, um, people are a bit brash on the internet. Some of that crept in later on. Not just us, but everybody's saying, yeah. it's the internet, people say stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a few guys who were a little bit more off the handle than others yeah. in terms of what they would sort of do on the streets or do on circuit or whatever but everyone was everyone's you know relatively normal which is kind of crazy mm, that's nice we should yeah, go drifting good in the, times we gotta go see you go drifting we've in never the been UK. We gotta i go. know i know seems like it's Finger a lot coats. nicer <laughs> no it's 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 a strange i would i would choose to go to america than come to here put it that really way. But, uh, why it's warmer <laughs> we get sunlight we get sunlight yeah. over here sunlight all the time <laughs> but then your turbo car well you don't drive turbo but like you know your turbo car doesn't run good in the heat they love the cold so yeah and we are lucky <laughs> with what cars we can have here there's sort of basically no real rules you can kind of anything you can import anything as long as you pass the uh the compliance the yearly compliance it doesn't really matter oh. um but there's it's okay. It's just obviously because you live here and you, you you dream of going to other countries, don't you, and traveling and things like that. Yeah. So you could, you could come. We could find fun things to do. But <laughs> yeah. I would, I would choose California. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah. pause. Uh, you mentioned a lot of people, and um, you know, reading through the show notes and stuff, I I realized that there was a name that I remember that that's not in here. I wanted to ask you about that person. Sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Kiki. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if you would have known about Kiki, but he was the the guy I was mentioning who had the tuning company. That was earlier Kiki. at Silverstone. That was Kiki. He was the boss. That's like, right. He turned off in so many cool cars. I, I remember he had, was it a Supra? He had a car with full top secret arrow. Yeah, that was, he had a couple of 180SXs and one of those. That's was right, it was a 180SX, that's right. Um, he he drifted an NSX with work, staggered work emotions on it when you couldn't get works. Yeah. Um, he turned up in a, like the car was two years old, a BMW E46 M3 with 10, uh, the rear fitment CSL wheels all the way around. And just drifted it around that Bangor racing oval that we used to go to. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's Lamborghinis, all sorts. He was done, and he did a lot for this. He did a lot for UK drifting. I remember um, he seemed to be pretty good and kind of uh, mm, ahead of the curve. Yeah, I would agree with that. He was he was definitely leading the way with car preparation, ethos, mm -hmm. um, and his skill behind the wheel. He was he was leading the way. Where did he sure. learn from? It's I'm not we know I'm not particularly sure. Um, yeah. It may be because of he, he did he wasn't long in the UK at that time. I think he's he came from Thailand before that. So maybe there was a small scene there. Yeah, because I felt uh, like he, or, he came with some experience already and kind yeah. of uh showed you showed you guys a little bit uh, how, how to, to move do it. forward a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or possibly <laughs> so you know Silverstone's biblically expensive to rent out even back then. Yeah. So we used to have competitions there in like 2002, three and four. Um, and one of my friends lived nearby and he, he was walking out in the morning with his dog, I think he said. And he heard the familiar SSQV blow off valve noise. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'll take a walk over to Silverstone. And Kiki and the Option Motorsport guys had rented Silverstone for themselves on a Thursday just to practice for the wow. competition on the wow. Saturday. Like that's pretty baller. <laughs> yeah, it is. So well, maybe you could, that's why he was better than us. You could tell from his cars that he was a baller. Yeah, everything was just perfect. Yeah. No, nobody orders a Cusco roll cage because they don't work, <laughs> but they just look cool. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah, and, and every one of the guys in his team, because he had the Option Drift Club team, they all had Blitz wheels. Every all the different designs. Um, their S14s were like a year old at that time. Yeah, with blitz wheels and coilovers and cages, and it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, he was switched on, and like I say, the UK drift scene, he definitely accelerated it. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's start talking a little bit about uh when the guys from Japan came over and like yeah. pro drifting started to get established. Yeah, um, I suppose we start with the Kendamora visit. Um, let's talk about that. Yeah, that was hilarious. So, Brown, what year was um, that? I think I think it was 2004, but it might have been 2005. I'm a little bit f foggy. And when you Google Nomaken Birmingham wheels, nothing comes up. Yeah. Because I guess it just nobody cared. <laughs> um, but on Driftworks, the forum, because that was quite a big part of the drift culture. Yeah. At that time, um, a guy just posted up random new user saying, Kendamora's coming to Birmingham to drift on this date and we're like that's 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 a hoax that's not true that's never going to happen and then the internet did the thing that the internet does and started calling him out and saying this and saying that and saying the other and um yeah turned out 
Kendamura came to Birmingham Wheels and like eight people turned up, I want to say, and maybe nine at a push. Uh-huh. And um Yeah. That's crazy. It was it was terrible really. Um he tried to drive Frederick. Oh, he didn't bring A86. a car. He drove he didn't other bring a car, cars. he just he just turned up. Okay. Um but how it really happened was the guy who organized it all worked with a guy who looked after uh, aspiring Formula One drivers from all over the world, including Japan. So he was a Japanese native and he was their um, go-to guy to get them into a team because Milton Keynes in that area in England in Silverstone is like the home of F1. Even now all of the teams are based out of there. So he would try and um, get drives for these guys and get them introduced and get them onto the, on their way up through the F series cars and things. And he had the connections in Japan to, to, to get drifting going over here and it was part of a bigger picture and um, yeah it just we didn't realise any of that was happening in the background we just saw this random guy say he's coming we turned up like a few of us just out of curiosity and there he was it was like oh this is real then so we had a little competition and it was like I say it was quite terrible but a couple of drivers really stood out yeah um, Frederick Sully was one he came over with the uh, A86 and a uh, it was like 200 horsepower. It was a serious engine. And he just blew the doors off everyone. He knew. So it was a Bangor Racing Oval that was lined by the solid walls. But Frederick knew that the walls don't move. You move to the walls sort of thing. Yeah. And he was like inches, inches from the wall. And we were all going, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in trouble here. Um, and he, he obviously won that day. Uh, Nomura judged the day and he, he, he won. Um because he was, he was again, he was another person who pushed us to try and be better. Mm-hmm. And that sort of happened every time visitors come come over. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but when Japanese came over or um, Australian, like Luke Fink came over and again pushed the game every time they come and visit, it's a little step yeah. up. Yeah. Um, and that happened. And then following that, the part of the bigger plan, the D1 GP exhibition rounds happened at Silverstone. And um, yeah, they were pretty fun too. Like, obviously seeing all your heroes and stuff in real life, and then seeing your friends who managed to get a license—not this guy—racing <laughs> um, <laughs> down the straight with Kumakubo. It's like, wow, that's that's genuinely awesome. Yeah. Um, but he has a lot of good adventures around that time as well, um, involving all of the friends and some of the drivers from D1 and things like that. It was cool. Really good. This episode is brought to you by Lot USA. Lot USA has been the master distributor of Brid Racing Seeds for the past 18 years. Celebrating their 42 years in operation, Brid manufactures high quality performance products for circuit drag, GT, and drift. Nadine and I have always run Brid Seats in our cars, and even today, Brid Seats are the latest mod in our new drift car. Our favorite seats are the FIA-approved Zeta 4 and their reclinable bucket seat, the Stradia 3. One of the latest releases from Brit is the Zeta 4 Vireo, which is a size small version of the Zeta 4 for petite drivers. Visit lot-usa.com for more info and follow them on IG at lot-usa.
This episode is brought to you by Bartaby. Bartaby is a car builder and tuner in the Central Texas, Austin area. In addition to other Nissans like the 350Z, they specialize in GTRs R32 through 35 and has over 10 years experience. In terms of tuning, they work with most standalone ECUs like Motec, Mtron, Link, Haltech, and AEM to name a few. Bartaby has tuned some of our friends' infamous cars, including JSpec Sam's blue R32 GTR. When we get our GTR, we know where we're sending it to get tuned, Bartaby. For more info, visit Bartaby.com and be sure to check out their dyno tuning videos on IG at Bartaby. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the I-don't-care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, Brady PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. So you came to the United States eventually. You had D1 there. And then I think in 07, you came and paid a visit to your internet friend, Benson. Yeah. <laughs> it was totally not weird. Um, I, You know what's funny is I have, I have like one, like I only have all of the time that we spent. I mean, it wasn't a lot, but we went, we went drifting together. We yep. went to Willow Springs Raceway. We went to the Oval. And we were drifting, and you drove mm. Benson's car. Tell me what yeah. you remember about drifting in America. Um, definitely didn't crash. <laughs> um, <laughs> only a little one, car. though. That was not a crash. A one. Yeah, the bumper fell off. Yeah. Um, because I went a little bit too wide, I didn't realize the edge of the circuit was like a foot of drop and then just stones. <laughs> so you don't want to be in a dirt drop there. Um, but yeah, I remember it just being a, an amazing time, really. We weren't there for long enough, really, but um, it was what we could manage at the time. But I just remember how amazing it was to have the windows down in your car, and when you transitioned, you just got like hot, warm air in the face. Because it's hot here. Rather than just cold and rain. <laughs> yeah. So hot there in, that, in the desert. Yeah, and, man. Um, I remember seeing Steve's A86 was just as perfect as it is in the pictures, like not a mark on it anywhere. Yeah. And um, just super privileged to drive your car. It was brilliant. You know, yeah, Benson, going all that way. And... Benson doesn't really let anybody drive his car. I mean, <laughs> I drive his car. That's it. So so you must have been a really special internet friend to be able to drive. <laughs> like, hey, we met on the internet. I'm going to come visit. And then you can drive my yeah, car. Yeah, just give yeah, me yeah. the keys to your car. Yeah. Just, yeah, come stay at my house. You can drive my <laughs> yeah. car. Don't be strange. <laughs> it, was, it was really like a really good trip and um really grateful to drive the car it was so much better than what i was used to as well it was so e- like nice and easy to to drive at a lower level sort of thing yeah yeah and it was just going around an s an s oval but it was so nice to do what did you trusted with it as well what do you think of of willow springs versus where you you're at <laughs> drifting <laughs> yeah i mean the main track looked really cool yeah the the horse thief mile and stuff because i'd seen that on a lot of um 
videos from all star bashes it was mm-hmm. it called back mm-hmm. in the day? yeah yeah it looked really cool and the elevation changes looked awesome but it, it, just the oval was super fun it, it's nice you go all that way and to get to, to drive the car anywhere is a bonus um, yeah. and i feel at that time i was quite comfortable drifting which helped because i've done a lot of it that year mm-hmm. yeah um it was super good but the whole trip was awesome i remember distinctly trying to find graham at like four in the morning <laughs> the cat had got out yeah we were like walking around the streets just shouting graham oh, oh that was with insane. you i don't remember yeah, i'm gonna look back on this and be like i was in america in someone's driveway just shouting graham yeah oh my god it's pretty cool grandma cat yeah that's, yeah oh. ben that's our gushi auto cat like benson found it at um ken gushi's dad's um mechanic shop and he gifted it to me a dirty orange cat well, nadine always wanted a cat <laughs> nadine always wanted a cat and every time i went there to gushiato you know he was there and it was this like little yeah. brown cat and um <laughs> and it was a kitten and so i was just like you know maybe i really like nadine i'll let her you know have a cat he'll let me yeah i'll, I'll <laughs> gift her a cat and then you know we washed it and it wasn't brown anymore <laughs> it was white and orange uh, so anyway yeah that's the story of Graham. The last day as well. Um, we we just we just woke up because we were flying out that day. Yeah. And um, I'm sure there was more than just Graham, right? There was other kittens, I think. Yes. Yes. And Vera. it just cruised on into the bedroom and jumped on the bed and just did a massive waz all over the bed. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> why would you do this? It's gonna think it's me. Sorry. <laughs> just let one rip. And I'm like, texting you, help. <laughs> yeah, I remember that quite vividly. I'm thinking, it definitely wasn't me. It was the cat. <laughs> I that's forgot how, about that. That's how Please we show my friend in America. That's how we show we like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did a yeah, lot of fun things. We we also drove Toge together uh, because yeah. you know we we'd been friends for so long, and so you knew about the the roads that we drove and and all the mm. stuff that would happen. And I know I know we would correspond a lot. So um, yeah. yeah, we we got to do that. Um, what we went... car did we take? I don't even remember that. You guys were in the G thirty five. Oh yeah, the time, oh, the, I think. And I was um, in your in rental some car. Oh Mustang, yeah. Yeah. Oh, a Mustang. Convertible, yeah, yeah. right? You guys got a convertible, right? I, I can't uh, remember. I don't recall it. I'd, probably not. I would have burned my head too much. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember it well. That was awesome. That road is incredible. And yeah. That night when we got there, and there was like no smog, and you're like, "This is very rare." That there's yeah. No smog. Yeah, it was clear just for pictures. you. Yeah. yeah, it was sweet. And then we went to an back, A86 think, meet. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was awesome. We saw. I remember seeing on the first night, seeing like some sort of. Yeah. Pontiac Firebird, I'm guessing. I don't know what it was, but it was black with a gold thing on the bonnet. And I was like, that's a cool car. And you were like, nope, that is not a cool car. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. And um, You're like that guy from Top to... Gear that likes all the American cars. Yeah, you just don't see him. Wow, look at that. <laughs> yeah, it was cool, man. Yeah. Um, that The mountain road was insane. And we had to stop halfway because you felt sick. That's right. And, it was um, very windy. I remember on the way back, uh, Christy was in the back of the car with me and Laura driving yeah. back. Yeah. And uh, she was just asleep. Yeah. Just didn't flat care. Out in the back of the car. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't yeah. Care. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool, man. A really good trip. And um, like I say, it was, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought you could get to know someone as well as I think me and you may have done just through messaging. Yeah. Uh, on the internet and so on. But when we met, it was just like we'd been friends for that whole time. Anyway, it was yeah. quite cool. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. Um, that doesn't that doesn't happen very often. I think I I have a I have a couple of friends that I consider close that I that I 
did a lot of interaction over the internet, and that's that's you and Rob Ryder. I mean, I yeah, I, I think our personalities are very similar too. So, kind of lends itself in that direction. Yeah, kind of see eye to eye on a lot of things, and we kind of you know we see the world in the same way. Yeah, it was a really it's a really good time, and it's just a uh, a lot of good memories and. Uh, also, Nadine said pretty much our favorite thing of the trip when we were going on the last day. She, I think she said something along the lines of, thanks for not being weird. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Try my best. And that was the truth. That was the truth. It was like normal, not yeah. scary internet friends staying in our house. Yeah, you can imagine just some weird... Because like now, I imagine kids and young people go on the internet and do dating and all sorts of stuff. But back then when we were talking, it was creepy. You know, it could be yeah. anybody there. Yeah. You don't know who that person yeah. is. You don't know anything about them. We're very trusting. Yeah, just... Right. And there's a lot of knowledge <laughs> these days about catfishing and how to deal with that stuff and how to be careful. And Can you imagine if, if he showed up and yeah. it were like he wasn't who he like said he was? like a 600-pound woman. <laughs> yeah. That'd be legit. <laughs> Yeah, we got away with that one. We were all who we said we were. Fantastic. With no drifting experience ever, driving your car. Yeah, there you, there you go. go. Just drive that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just like riding a bike. Yeah. Just leave it in second gear. That's all you need to know. You know, you know what's funny, though? I I was looking at your bio, and, and you know, it, it's mostly what you wrote about yourself, like on the Driftworks forum um, intro page. And um, if you guys ever just Google... Chris pause Perry and oh. and like it's probably the second result or something and and it was crazy because I always I laugh at people and I go what car do you have wouldn't it be funny if you put like a different engine like and we laugh when we always talk about like putting SRs and RX-7s and then I read that she put a S2K motor in a 86 so <laughs> I want to talk to you about that, which was, which is crazy because I don't remember you doing that. And, and I don't really know people that actually have enough guts to do that. So, so walk us through that experience, putting a Honda engine in your Hachiroku. <laughs> yeah, I, I will outline the whole thing with it was a learning experience. That's for sure. Um, but I have the, the red Truno I had at the time, the run free car was super cool. I love that car and it drove well and. I did most of my best competitions in that car. But I thought that the game was moving on. I need some more power. Mm, so greedy. I either throw, got greedy, yeah. Mm-hmm. I either throw like a lot of money at a 4AG to try and get 15 more horsepower, 20 more horsepower out of it <laughs> and keep breaking gearboxes. Or I try and have some turnkey reliability. And I'd seen that um, John from JSP was having pretty good results with his. So it's like I reached out to him and that's the only thing I feel bad about it for is because John helped me a lot and I didn't like the end result. So I feel a little bit, I've always felt a bit bad about it, but it just, I just didn't get on with it. But I spent all winter like completely bare metal in the car underneath on top, everything. M- getting the engine in, basically, like I had a few friends help me and a couple of family members, but it was mostly me and um, with support from Laura and stuff helping me out when she could. But it was like 4 a.m. nights and things like that getting all ready. You're making Laura work on your car too? Oh my gosh. I try my best. That's love right she, there. She That's loves love. working on cars with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But also she she would give me give me the free time to say, I know this is important to you, so feel free to spend as long as you need to do to get oh. this done on time. So I think she's very understanding of it, you know? Guys, that's love right there. Like when your yeah, girl is like, cool, I give you the time for things you love. Besides yeah. myself. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah she knows it was important um oh. so we, we did a lot of work and it was there was some nights literally like 4 a.m in the morning where i'm basically i've given up it's broken me and i'm like i don't want to do it anymore <laughs> <laughs> so we did all that work painted the car everything and in some lady's garage that i rented for like 10 pound a week or something <laughs> and they put it on the dyno and it made like 210 horsepower i'm thinking what is this <laughs> slow was what it was <laughs> then i drove it and it didn't handle like i wanted it to and i didn't have the knowledge to tune that handling the way that i wanted it to be mm-hmm. i just assumed i could put this huge engine in because it's so much bigger than a 4ag yeah. yeah and it would all be fine and uh yeah it wasn't it, it just wasn't i did not get on with it but i tried my best to to work around the problems and tune it and go as i went try and make it more like what I wanted it to be. Never really got there. And it didn't even really have that much more power. It didn't spin the wheels in fourth at all. Like it was the same as a Corolla. You had to really be huffing along to make it work. That's to be really high in the RPMs, right? High in the RPMs. Way higher than in a 4AG. Yeah, because you need that VTEC to kick in. Got to have the VTEC, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What what did you start with, though? What was your horsepower that you started with, like with your, your old motor? I had a pretty nice 16 valve setup. It was about 160 something horsepower. Wow. Uh, which yeah. was, it was really picky, but um, it just worked. And I could get around Silverstone, which is one of my proudest moments, was the Silverstone corners are quite fast. Yes. And it was a top of fourth or fifth gear entry. And you just, you cannot, you cannot make a mistake if you're off the throttle yes. for like half a second too long. You runs over sort of thing. Mm. And I was happy with the car. But in my mind, next year, 2008, was going to be your more, you know, bigger tracks, more power. Yeah. So I went down that route. And then all the tracks went to car parks, basically, with cones. Like, I should have just, <laughs> I should have just kept the engine that I had, really. Oh, but my gosh. You live and learn. And then, uh, um, obviously, I crashed it. So, you know, rubbish anyway. Yeah, we had, I found a picture, too. I kind of stole it. I've been stealing pictures of you on the let's, internet. Let's talk about that crash a little bit. Is it because it wasn't set up the way that you liked? What What happened there? Um, so as far as I, I, I was actually enjoying the car that day, it was one of the few days where I felt like it was going okay. Um, so I'd done my first two qualifying runs and I was kind of getting to a groove. Um, but the surface was quite bumpy. I came in a little bit offline, transitioned. So it was a, it was a fast right in, flick left, and then a long sweeping left hander basically. Yeah. As I flicked right. Everything was fine, but I was a bit offline in a bump that I didn't know was there. So I flicked left and the car bottomed out. The front suspension completely hit the bump stops and bound up on the chassis. So my wheels were pointing that way. Yeah. And the car just went that way. Yeah. Straight into the concrete barrier, basically. And I possibly could have tried to spin it round and got the side into the concrete wall, but you only react with the information that you're given. Right. You make the, the call as you go. Yeah. So that. It wasn't a huge crash, but it definitely it put me out for the day. And as far as I knew at that time, that shell was a write-off because the struts had moved and stuff. Mm. Um, knowing what I know now, my friend and Ian could have just fixed it. You know, we could have just pulled it out, cut it off and tubed the front end, but we yeah. didn't have that sort of thing back yeah. then. It wasn't really the norm. Um, but yeah, it was it was a decent crash. What, and, uh, what event was that? pretty sad. That was 2008 EDC round three, I think. Um, that was when Kumakubo and Tanaka came over in the Subarus, which mm-hmm. was quite cool. Um, so that, again, that event's quite bittersweet because I crashed the car, um, didn't like the car, but also it turned out after that I'd qualified fourth, 
which was probably one of my best results in that EDC season for that year. Yeah. And I think Kumakubo was first, Tanaka was second, and Phil Morrison was third. I was quite happy to be fourth behind those guys as some heavy hitters. Yeah. So um, that was a win. It for was you. nice. Yeah, it was a win yeah. for me, and I wasn't. I'm not too bitter about the car because I hated it anyway. So <laughs> the only the, the only sad thing is you can't go back in time and you know change things. You just have to learn from yeah. what you did. I, I remember oh. um, we we talked a lot, and anytime there was a big event um, that you went to, we I would watch the videos, I would look at the pictures, and I would talk to you about the event. Mm. And uh, I remember that that day. I remember watching the videos and telling you, well. For the for a while, like you were, you would do very, very well at Silverstone, and I, I remember I would, you know, you being humble and everything, I would always try and let you know how much I saw in your driving, and um, and I remember that day telling you how how good you were, and um, and asking if uh, Kumakubo or Tanaka had anything to say about it. Do you remember mm. that? Briefly, they they commented yeah, on your on your driving. People say things uh, good. I'll kind of just block it out. Yeah, I know. I'm the same way. It doesn't, it doesn't it? Doesn't I don't know. It's just awkward to me. I don't know why. I don't know why it is. You but... just I, I don't know. I don't know why either. I can't explain it. But but I remember you telling me that they they noticed your driving and they thought you were really good. And that's yeah, a that's huge compliment coming from hear, those yeah. guys at those time at that time. I think. You know, Kumakubo and Tanaka were like at the top of their game, and they were kind of the yeah. some of the best tandem drivers in the world. Yeah, they, they they that event, those events that they came to, they just came over and like again just showed us what to do. Yeah, this is how you, this is how tandem drifting is done, sort of yeah. thing. Um, yeah, they were the cars were awesome as well. Um, again, ahead of the game in terms of not not of everybody's car, but the prep. Yeah, is, is basically like a GT car mm-hmm. level. Yeah, it was awesome. To see. Anytime they brought their cars anywhere, they brought tons of spare parts with them too. Yeah, pit crew and everything. The full works. The full works, yeah. But also, and you guys have had a lot more exposure to those cars than we have. I feel they've they've come to America with that kind of stuff a lot more. Yeah, it's um, true. Everything we ever saw was awesome. It's true, but but they, I mean, option option did some really cool events with you guys. They did D D one rounds over there. Yeah. Um, and you guys saw all the cool cars that we would see as well. Um, yeah, it was, they, they were good, good events. It was always funny to see like um, certain cars were just rough, like our cars. Yeah, They're really bad, like the Sauras and stuff. They were just street cars essentially. Up close, yeah. yeah. Was super, super cool. Yeah. Um, like Shinji's A86, that was just a street car, kind of with stuff pulled out, but that just fantastic drivers, you know. Yeah. Watched them and. Just tried to learn from them. Nice. Well, I heard a little a little birdie told me that you Birds drove. Here comes the heavy hitting question. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> no. No, but I heard you drove Nurburgring. What's up with that? And and where is that in relation to where you live? And and what'd you do there? Because I heard some rumors. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's probably from door to circuit like a 12-hour journey from where I live. This is like a couple of hours on a ferry across the English Channel. Oh, you ferry just, there? Yeah, it's like a four or five-hour drive from my house to the coast ferry, and then another four or five into Germany. Oh. Um, but we we didn't. We, obviously, everybody's heard about it. 
and we thought one day me and my friend Jay and we're just like we're just gonna go let's just book some time off work and go and that was 2007 I had um, a BMW that I'd paid 250 pound for like the week before <laughs> <laughs> I just threw some brake pads in it and off we went was it a missile it was tidy for that money back then they were good cars yeah it was like these things were super cheap if you could have just parked them up now you'd be quite well off yeah back then nobody wanted them but you bought it did you buy it to like keep it and fix it up nice or is it like a just a throwaway car like a i bought it to tow my a86 around (laughs) that's what i used it for mostly yeah it had a tow bar on it that was my tow car yeah so you had to bed it in by going to the nurburgring oh um, yeah it was just a really good weekend because again at that time i was drifting quite a lot so i was reasonably comfortable and the, the first day it was raining, so me and Jay just tried to drift every corner that we thought we, we could survive. What? And, uh, That's crazy. Yeah, it was super good. Like open diff drifting, just like using <laughs> changing down gears to shift lock and things like that. With all the tire savings. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. Um, dried up the next day and then the back of the car set on fire because some wiring rubbed through but that's just normal <laughs> Nürburgring stuff oh really? <laughs> but yeah but from then on we went back like twice a year for two or three years um, until we decided we shouldn't go anymore how how fast do you go on the Nürburgring? Um, car dependent but like the fastest I've gone is about 145 mile an hour oh my god yeah. there's like two sections where you can go that fast are you flooring it down? Are you flooring it down those long streets, or are you kind of just? Uh... Um, yeah, after a f- at first, you're just completely terrified. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm terrified on Gran Turismo. So <laughs> yeah, and, and the elevation changes, dude, are unreal. Like some of the hills are like like that. Yeah, but it never comes across on the games. Yeah, so you have to. It takes hundreds and hundreds of laps to to know where you're going, to know like little intricacies where bumps are and stuff. Hmm. But after about like three or four visits, I would say that some of the places I was comfortable enough to know that you can just come out of a certain corner and just keep it pinned for X amount of hundreds and hundreds of yards because you know there's nothing coming sort of thing. And you were um, drifting two places. How fast were you going when you were drifting? Um, we're not that. It's like probably 40 to 60, 70 mile an hour because you pick and choose your fights. Mm. Yeah. Because some of the corners are like 120 mile an hour corners. It's It's not something you want to be having a crash there at all because it'd be very messy um very messy <laughs> that sounds scary. I've, had it, I've had it go wrong a few times because i didn't realize as you say i know where lefts and rights are but i don't know where bumps are or oh. strange undulations if you hit an undulation that you aren't aware of at 120 you turn into a corner then yeah things things get a bit hectic um but then there's also the, the problem that if your car fails or Breaks or drops fluid or anything like that, you are responsible for other cars crashing on that fluid. So after we had a bit of an incident, we decided we shouldn't go there anymore. So is it? Is it? Is it? So it's not lawless there, like at the Nurburgring, like it's regulated and people are watching you. Yeah. 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 Um, so everyone's insured because uh, it's a toll road. So all European insurance covers you for all eventualities. Oh. But um, English insurance doesn't cover you, so they'll pay third party if someone else is, you know, crashed on your oil or you've done something or whatever. But then they'll get the money back off you. And um, as you can imagine, if something goes really wrong, which happened to us, 
and there's helicopters involved for air ambulances and the track's shut and there's what? like 12 cars have crashed on your oil and they're all Porsche GT3s. Whoever dropped the oil has to pay for all of that. So it's quite intense. Wait, so that happened to you? Yeah, that happened to us on the last trip what? that I went on. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So um, you had to pay reason, for all that? I got really lucky. So it happened to one of my friends. And uh, yeah, he, he was... Ultimately, the bottom line was you have to pay for all of this. But luckily, there was a loophole in the law and a good lawyer and all that kind of stuff. It was very ugly. But um, my, I was driving around the lap, as you do. Uh, my coilovers had just started coming loose. I could hear a knocking noise in front of the car. I didn't know it was the coilovers at the time, but I backed off and took it easy to get around the lap. So where I'm normally doing 110, 120 over the brow of this hill, I was doing 80, and I hit the oil and the car, like... I'm usually quite um, funny, like proud of my steering work a little bit. Personally, I like to have good steering when you're drifting. Mm-hmm. But my hands were just going everywhere when I hit the oil. It was like just baking a cake or throwing <laughs> pizza or whatever just to survive. You are the Swedish chefs. You are the Swedish chefs in Muppets. In the Muppets. Yeah, literally, like <laughs> just to live. Uh, I was. It was intense, and I got to the bottom of the hill where the oil was, and I just drove through this scene that looked like something from like Vietnam. You know, there was just cars crash, 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 yeah. crash. Oh On the other side of the road, crash. There was, I don't know, like fifteen cars. Wow. And, uh, I drove wow. through it thinking, I'm pretty glad I didn't crash, but I'm pretty sure that's my friend <laughs> who's uh, caused this accident. So yeah, then then we we learned the hard way that that's you only go to do track days there, basically paid track days and not the public days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Okay. That's a good story. So, but I mean, yeah. you were drifting on the Nürburgring in 2007. Is that right? Like, yeah, that was the first time wow. we went. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's um, so cool. Friend, I don't know if you, you remember the, the corner called the carousel, which yes. is like draining. Jay tried to drift around there like twice. Did he, he, didn't learn the did he time. drift? Did he drift on the inside of the carousel <laughs> or on the outside? Yeah, he tried on the inside on the the banked part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the second time it didn't go well, and he ended up like with no front splitter and bump pushed up and <laughs> wheels off the ground and oh things like that. <laughs> we didn't know any any different. We didn't think bad things could happen there. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Well, Pretty thanks crazy. for sharing. That was good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we don't go there anymore. <laughs> so I want to go. I'm gonna go. You should go and I'm just rent go. a car or um, do it on a track day for well, sure. Then you you covered. You bring a GTR. That's it. Yeah. Okay. R35 GTR, Nurburgring. I'm a little scared. Uh, rent a GTR from one of the shops there. That's true. Yeah. They rent cars there. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's the best way to do it. Okay, we'll take you with us. You show us the ropes. Uh, yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you have some trauma. So, yeah. so yeah. pause. I, I know we kind of brushed over a lot of your competitions. I, I in the very beginning of the episode, I mentioned all of your achievements, right? Which is a very big list, um, but we didn't really go over it much. Um, but you were you were competing a lot, and you were having a lot of success. Um, and I always thought that I, I think we brushed over this as well, like how how much i thought of your talent i always thought you're a very good driver and you pushed really hard and that's what that's what you need in hachiroku i I definitely think you are um one of the um 
major influences of Hachiroku drivers and fans in the UK. Um, you always had really great style, but you always backed it up with your driving. And uh, you know, like you like you mentioned in that that corner of Silverstone, um, there's no room for mistake mistakes when you are driving a Hachiroku with that amount of power. To be able to make it through, your line has to be spot on. Your your entry speed needs to be spot on, and your throttle is down to the floor the entire time. There is no yeah. adjustment to that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I you know I I I did want to mention that. But um, yeah, you had a lot of success, and then things started to slow down. Um, can you talk about like what what led to that, or you know what were your experiences yeah. competing? Sure. Um, so I, I appreciate your kind words as well. Um, I can't say I it enough. I like that. I don't believe small, in myself. I, I know you don't. Better. I know you don't. Be Take the compliment. That, that little amount of time <laughs> I spent uh, explaining that does not does not uh, sum up how good how I feel that you are an amazing driver. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> take the compliment. So, my goodness. Yeah, competition. I enjoyed it, and it was the best way to drive on tracks because there was there, there weren't really any practice days, so to speak. So that's a lot of why we did it. And um, in the early days, I obviously failed to get my D1 licenses. That's why I couldn't drive with them. But it annoyed me to the point where I thought I really have to try hard now because mm -hmm. I'm just drifting at low angle. I'm not doing it right. Blah blah blah. So all through those competition years, that was a, a reason for me to try and be better. Um, and I enjoyed that, and, and that's, I think, why I did reasonably well, um, because I always wanted to improve um, try and push hard. Yeah. But after I crashed the um, Honda car, you, you so, I wanted to come back, and I wanted to do it again, and I reshelled it into another car ready to go sort of thing. But you start asking questions and wondering why you're doing it, and um, is, is it heading where you want it to head in terms of the circuits and the sport itself at that time? And financially as well, um, you know, I, I had sponsors um, which helped me out, but it's never it's never paid for. Yeah, and you know, you you've done it yourself. You pay for the entry fee, you pay for your transport, your hotels, your thousands of pounds around basically. Mm -hmm. And you kind of there was a time where I thought perhaps I could make um, this major blossom into a, some sort of career or a role or something where you could like. It has in America for a lot of people, mm -hmm. but we didn't really get that in England. Never. There's a couple of people who um, earned a living from it, and that's great. Yeah. But it, I started to realize this probably isn't going to ever happen because I am too stubborn to drive a car that's good, mm. and I'm only interested in a 86 driving yes. at that time anyway. So I thought I'm just going to calm down and just focus on having having fun. And more tracks were opening for that purpose, just to have fun. Um. Like there was Mallory Park, Buxton Raceway, which was another oval, but it was very much fun and very cheap. Um, so I just thought to myself, I'm just going to do it for me and I'm going to start enjoying maybe try other cars as well, which I've never done. Mm -hmm. um, so that was sort of the catalyst for the change, really. Uh, like a realization that yeah. maybe isn't always cracked up to be. And am I having fun? Yes or no. If not, do the thing that seems fun to me. Right. So that, that was the change. Okay. And so you, well, you talked about driving other cars, and uh, I know that you, I can tell by your car style that you are a Hachiroku 
purist in a lot of ways. Mm, um, miserable. <laughs> but uh, you've had an S13. And yeah. you had an S14 as well, right? I, don't, I think that one was for a short amount of time. And an S15. Yeah. Got to try them all. What was your experience with those cars? They're all just, um, just all pretty amazing. Incredible. Yeah, amazing. Um, they're not, not the be all and end all. And there's A86s is still very fun to drive. Yes, it's very and different. Like, um, the experience is so different. Yeah, very different. Mm -hmm. And once I got used to the way that the cars would pile on speed when you accelerated, rather yeah. than just maintain or go slower. Yes. Um, it was a lot of fun. And the Sylvia, the the S13 was um, set up horribly from Japan. Yeah. All the shocks were blown and things like that. It was just bouncing everywhere. Um, <clears throat> so I fixed all of the problems, basically, and that was a great car to drive. Didn't have that for too long because um, it had like a Euras body kit on it. Yeah. Very pushed out. It, everyone like, just laughed at it as I was driving down the road and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, this isn't my style, and you couldn't <laughs> find a PS13 bumper at all. You just right. couldn't find one. But it was really fun to drive. And um, I did all the work on that and made it D1 regulation, roll cage, everything. And I wanted another go at comp competing in that car. And then just sold it for some reason, like the week before I was supposed to enter this round of competition. I don't know why. Just something must have happened. Um, and the S14 was great as well. It was really, really bad condition when I bought it. Like there wasn't a straight panel on the car. But that's what I wanted it for, um, because at that time, all the videos you saw out of Japan, really tight, close tandems were the thing. Oh, this was the missile uh, era. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I need a car to have a go of that sort of thing, because we've never done it before. So the S14 was perfect, and um, it had even more dented panels by the time I'd sold it. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, again, good car. I never had, I never had any reliability issues with any of the Nissans I've had, which maybe I'm very lucky. Yeah. I found that I could sort of drive him in a Corolla style as well because none of them had masses of power. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just wanted to see what they were like. Which um, just one? Because... Which one did you prefer? I mean, I know you prefer the Hachiroku probably, but if you had to choose between a S13, 14, and 15, what 15. was your? Oh, 15. Yeah, that car was legit. I wish I didn't have to sell it, but like it needed to go for it. It was so good. Why did I it? I can't even. It, I felt like that was that that was the last car that I built um, with my friends, and I thought that that was going to be the it was going to be the last car that I drift. I want to just because trends come and go. So the S14 was like a missiles sort of car. Um, the A86 that followed that. A lot of other people were getting into A86s again. So we could do like team drifting, which was cool. Mm. And then the Naoki sort of Kansai style started to be, become more popular. And I thought, well, I'd like I'd like to see if I'm even capable of getting like 10% close to what those guys can do. So you need the right tool for the job. Yeah. So S15, B knuckles, massive spaces and huge rear tires. And uh, just amazing. You, you, you couldn't. I couldn't make the car spin like it would not spin out. It was just incredible. It just sit at any. It wouldn't power through because it had like 270 horsepower or something. But for throwing the car into a corner with big angle, it was just unreal. Love it. So yeah, I'd like to keep that car, and I think it looked cool as well. So it looked really good. Yeah. It looked really good. It was painted full arrow, 
it had nice yeah. wheels like it also that was like a a pause a86 spec <laughs> s15 i would say just yeah. immaculate looked great it was really good but i really wanted to paint it green like because i'm a green mm, you can't do that but the guy who built the cars with me said no nah, it's just going to be horrible and i was like no no we got to paint it green no it'll be disgusting <laughs> and when i saw it come out of the booth all red i was like yeah you're probably right because it was a big car you know by the time i had the yeah. body kit on and stuff it was a lot of red yeah um yeah it would have looked bad <laughs> well, is yeah, kazama green is kazama green the green that he has his cars now or is kazama green like the k office green uh, I think K Office Green was what I was aiming for. Okay. Um, but I found that it was. Do you have like you don't have Renault Clio's over there? No, do you? we don't. Hatchback. So they no. did a sweet color called Alien Green, I think. Uh huh. And I was like, I want that color on this car. But he's like, No, it's not happening. I'm not painting. Your that. painter no said way. no. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I'm putting that color in my gun and painting. I've. It's just not happening. My name's attached to this car. You're not doing it. So I think. <laughs> Yeah, good car. I love it. And well, you, and you, uh, we didn't talk about your three series. Um, you had a period in time when you were, you had that three series, and you were drifting, or maybe you had a couple, but you were just loads. Yeah, you were just drifting those. Yeah, there, there was a time when I had no choice because a, a sponsor took my car off me and said he was going to build me an engine, and then just didn't give me back for a year, and didn't come back with an engine, just came back with a wiring loom that had been chewed by mice and stuff. <laughs> so but yeah bmws back then was super cheap um so while your drift car stayed on the driveway waiting for competitions or whatever it would be you could just buy a cheap three series or five series or anything like that and go and just do anything in it and not worry too much because it wasn't exp expensive in any way yeah so they were they were just a cheap option and they stood up to the abuse so you could also use it to go to work in and things like that where right. it's driving to work in a an 86 with a 5.3 5 rear end on it yeah. and stuff is <laughs> it's not the one it ages you <laughs> yeah it's not the one um so yeah a few of those just just because of the the price of them and they were just fun you know yeah just easy to get along with yeah um, i didn't find them very good for like dynamic drifting if that makes sense right uh, but just doing basic stuff with the hydraulic handbrake and stuff like that they were okay but i could never get one to throw into a corner right um I've seen that um, Palmer Sanderson in the States, he's got his dialed now. This is pretty dialed, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, again, just more modern setup. and There's the more, more knowledge, it. too. I mean, I, I think mm. because of the that, that car being as expensive as it was for a little bit amount of time, a lot of people start buying them and people start figuring stuff out. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like with your S15, right? Where, you know, when you own the S13 and the S14, um, the knowledge wasn't there yet, but you kind of bought the S15 at the right time where there's so much knowledge yeah. about suspension setup and, and steering angle and all of that stuff. And like that allowed you to dial in that car pretty easily. Yeah, quite quickly. You didn't have to invent anything or think of anything. I just ordered the bits off the internet. Yeah. Or Phil thankfully sent me the bits that I needed to finish the car. And yeah, yeah, paint by numbers, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no thought required apart from learning a little bit about damper settings for that kind of car yeah yeah um let's 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 we're we're winding down here uh i wanted to ask you about your driving your the people that inspired you through their driving and their cars 
Um, yeah, you're driving, like I said already, your driving skill is amazing. Your drive, your car style is amazing. All of your, I mean, uh, I would say all of your Hachirokus looked great. Um, very Japanese style. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask where where all of your inspirations came from. If you can um, talk on that. Yeah, but the sort of the genesis of it again was Slide Squad, and I remember to to, to this day again it's etched in my mind a picture of um, Kaicho and Yamashita's red A86s parked in the garage at Ibisu. Yeah. Nose to tail. Yeah. I, I'd never seen anything that cool in my life. So basically, I just copy those guys with the red cars there's nothing there's, you can't reinvent that style there's right. no point trying to be different or paint it some strange color and right try and be try and make something new because they've already achieved perfection so i just aimed at that style basically and um, those in terms of aesthetics those two guys were like the kings of the way a corolla yes. should look yes um in terms of driving it's obvious the obvious way connection that everyone makes i still don't really understand how he transitions the car as violently as he does every corner um, i don't know who tried does to who, it, but... no one can i don't think i've ever seen anyone transition the way he does uh, i don't know how much of it is car set up and how much of it is his driving ability why don't you ask him where where is he i don't know i i'm sure there, i'm him. sure there are some people that yeah. can ask him but the, <laughs> <laughs> I, I shared this story before, pause. I don't know if I shared it with you, but we were at Irwindale Speedway and like a lot of the D1 drivers were sitting there and watching us doing practice. And so yeah. I, I went up to a bunch of them and I asked them for advice. And Uyo mm -hmm. told me to transition, like make my transitions like snappy and fast off of the bank. And I was just like, like to me, it's just like, uh, okay, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, explain <laughs> to me like, how. Look at every single other D1 driver out here with you. No one does it like you, so I don't. That's kind of like a like funny advice to you give. You missed me. your opportunity. Yeah. You could have asked him. Help me more, please. Just yeah. do it better. That's yeah. great advice. Thank you. I'll go and do it better. Yeah, I've worked. I've tried so much to do, and you can feel like you're getting close sometimes. But you consistently hit that mark. Yeah. With just the violence. Yeah. And then taking lock back off to put lock back on to clutch kick the car to snap it round, and yeah. every time. Yeah, so in terms of driving, these the obvious answer. There are other Corolla drivers that you see that are awesome, but there's so many of them. Um, and also the guys like um, Justin in Hawaii mm. and Royce. Shout out to Justin and Royce. Those guys, they helped me out as well. They were so friendly, just over email, some random guy. Yeah. How do you flare? Oh, she's on a Corolla. Yes. <laughs> replied. I love that. They, they were they were friendly guys, really good at driving, yeah. and the car style was brilliant. Car style and, was spot on accessible like we couldn't speak to people in japan yeah but we could speak to those guys and the same for yourself i could speak to you and ask you how to do this or yeah. that yeah whereas you know there wasn't there was no instagram obviously there was no links there's no obvious no video chat right back then no either. video chat yeah. right so, yeah, you can, you can watch like a 86 club video and you know you can see like uh what kind of springs people are using but beyond that you don't know what they're saying yeah, that's it yeah they're yeah. just no idea about toe or anything like that or yeah. settings. Maybe you got lucky with Canva sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, figure. But yeah. So those were the initial I love um, that. Sort of influences with style. Um so I've just stuck with that formula really. Yeah. Boring. Just do the right do do what looks good <laughs> and don't try and be just, inventive. Right. <laughs> just do the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Just do it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit more to it than that. You you can't just buy the parts and stick them on a car. You know, Definitely. You've got, to, you've got to work 
with the car and they all get need it sitting to, just so. They all need to work together. Yeah, you can't it's just, all got to work right. You yeah. can't just throw them on. Right, but exactly. Pretty much just do what those guys did. Yeah. Love it. Oh, I see why you have Paz on the show. He's a badass, but he's very a humble badass. I think I that should be like the tagline. Like, Chris Paz Perry, the humble badass. Like. Just the average guy. That's what me and Jay used to say. Like, if we, when we started competing, let's just go and blend in. That's all we want to do is blend in. Blend in. Yeah, if we can blend so. in, we can go home. Happy Senior because... resume, bro. You can't blend in. Oh, my gosh. No. Aim low. Aim low. Oh, my but gosh. Yeah. I love it. You definitely did not aim low. Pause. Come on. <laughs> this is your, your list here is very, very impressive. Thank you. He doesn't care. I know you don't <laughs> he care. He doesn't even care. He's like, what list? Whatever. You're gonna, you're gonna take it. You're gonna yeah. take it, and you're gonna like it. No, I, I am. It, you have like looking back. Yeah, it was. I am like I said secretly a little bit proud of it. We did. We you did alright. Secretly, little. Oh my god. Yeah, we did okay, especially with the car and you know sticking true to what I what I initially attracted me to drifting. Mm -hmm. It's cool to 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 get the results that we did and, and still have fun at the same time. It was still, it was still very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, right. The, 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 the last rounds of the, the EDC competition were less so because you got three runs all day okay. and then you had to qualify. So that was, that's when I started yeah. backing off as well, but it right. was still fun because all your friends were there. You all worked together that you've done, you know, yourself, you've been there changing yeah. gearboxes at three in the morning with your friends and everyone's getting stuck in and, Someone comes back with like all the food they could find from the local takeout and things like that. <laughs> I've always found I've always found during those competitions that that's what makes you the best driver too, right? Is driving at those events where you know that you are driving with the best drivers. So it's kind yeah. of um it it keeps you it keeps your skills honed and um it, it makes you try your hardest. Yeah, and I think that's why people get so good so quick these days as well because they've got people to follow yeah and when you're following someone who's better than you you learn so much and it brings everybody's level up yeah which is we we didn't have that particularly and i enjoyed that part of the journey to yeah. be honest learning things but so good to see people these days have like a year in a car and yeah can go and do pro drifting it's crazy right well speaking like 12 years old speaking of uh today um, I wanted to get your your perspective uh, as someone who has been drifting in the UK since day one. Um, mm. How how do you think uh, drifting is today? Um, where do you think drifting will be in the future in UK? Um, it's a, to know that, that is a heavy hitting question without the the pre warning of the heavy hit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to sneak them in there. Yeah, it's right in there. Um, <laughs> it's it's i think sadly i think it's potentially past its peak mm. in terms of uh, track accessibility there's less and less tracks to go to now yeah and um it's back with that if you want to drive on different tracks you have to compete because that's the only time you're going to get to those tracks so that's a little bit is it because it, of the it cost makes it a little bit that accessible the cost, cost of track yeah, time um, so if you're going to pay for it you need to have sponsors and fans in attendance to to cover all of that stuff is that what it is there's a lot of that to it as well because costs going up um noise is a massive problem in england mm. um tracks get shut down because of noise i probably didn't help with my corollas because they were the loudest things in the world but, yeah 
um, like the local councils complain about them. People will move in next to a racetrack that's been there for 50 years and, and then complain, complain about the racetrack there. <laughs> and yet terrible. there's an airport like a mile down the road. Yeah. So we've lost a lot of venues to that. Mm. Um, we've lost some venues to like just people misbehaving basically as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. there's a good, decent competition scene. One of the big competitions finished last year, but there's still a lot of other options for people. Mm. And there are still two or three like genuinely amazing tracks that we can use, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of good dudes who are still driving. New guys coming up. Yeah. Which is good to see. And some of the old guys still doing it. Um, and there's a lot of variety as well. There's a lot of variety of cars, a lot of variety of styles. You've got the guys who are trying to do the the Kansai sort of style. Mm-hmm. Um, a big a big group of those guys actually, and they're doing really well with it, and they're having a lot of success in competitions as well. Of course, there's the guys who ridicule it because it looks a bit funny. Yeah. But it, for me, when I tried it, I didn't have to beat any of the car with a hammer. None of the seams needed moving apart from the back seam on the arch. So I didn't mm-hmm. fabricate any tubs. I didn't do anything other than fit the parts. And I'm far too lazy for that these days. So it's perfect for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand that if you're driving in Mayhan every week, you're going to crash two or three cars a year. Yeah. You, you can't, you don't want to be building a super drift car for that. Right. So those guys are doing that quite well. And the cars look cool to me because they're functional. Yeah. And then there's the guys who like the slammed look and they're still very active and doing that really well as well. The stylish cars are still lots of stylish cars. Yeah. Um, there's a group of these guys in MX-5s, all red. Yeah. Four four dudes who just drive everywhere together, and they're really good. Like, I've followed them around a few tracks in my S15, and as I'm pulling like reasonably sized entries, he's just doing the same in an MX-5 on 13-inch wheels with yeah. the lock. Yeah. Like, yep, fair play. Um, so it's it's still going, and it's running along. I just I'm, I feel like it's like I say it's a little bit in decline yeah. in terms of v- venues, but hopefully it'll carry on um, yeah because there's still interest in it there's still a lot of people who are keen to to start doing it yeah uh, i think the uh the japanese style of uh car culture is alive there um mm. and hopefully you know sometimes we just need a little decline for things to get big again yeah i hope i hope that's what we see um but when you were talking about those miata guys that that reminded me of that time i saw you drifting with the team techno guys yeah, that was a brilliant time. That, was, that was amazing because the Team Techno yeah. guys are a bunch of 86 guys and they have the same kind of uh, car style and driving style that you yeah. do. And to see you driving your Hachiroku with theirs, so cool. So cool. Yeah, really good times when they've come over and when I've gone to Ireland. Um, just like I say, very similar ethos and we all want to go as fast as we can. And yeah. you can really follow those guys quite well. So good. Yeah, um, and super friendly. The the Irish drifting scene is is probably quite a lot better than the UK drifting scene. And every time I've gone over there, people are just super friendly. Yeah, and they remember me from like 15 years ago, which is always nice to have a little. Oh yeah, I remember you. And if, if you're from that area, and stuff, if you're from that area and you're into Hachirokus, you know pause even <laughs> after 15 years. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, they do. I think so. Yeah, it's super cool. That's that awesome. bit of it's really good, and those cold. guys are so friendly. Yeah. Yeah. You have anything else? No, we're good. We okay. are ready to close this out. Do you have anything else? Pause. Uh, no, nah, I mean, we've had a good chat. It's been fun. We've covered a bunch of stuff. Just like to say thank you to a few people, really. Yeah, um, let's hear it. 
just the usual story. Obviously, first and foremost is Laura. Fancy Laura. As Fancy we used to Laura. Call her. She's always supported me. Always believes in me, even when I like don't, because that's that's my thing. Because you're humble. We can we can see that. <laughs> yeah, she she's super understanding of how important it is and was to me when I do anything like that. And um, you won't be able to do it. You know, you, as you guys know, you need you need someone there. Yeah, and she's there. It's cool. And, and the, the, the table's me, kind know? of changed on, on that, right? Now look at what she's doing. She's flying airplanes and becoming yeah. a, a scientist and all that stuff. I don't agree with the airplane hobby, but she's very <laughs> smitten with it. Yeah. Like, you know it's dangerous, right? Yeah. Well, uh, pause. I'm sure she was saying the same thing about you and your drifting. I don't know. It's like if your engine turns off in a car, you just roll to a stop. Yeah. Whereas if your engine turns off in a plane, you've got more issues, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure but she yeah. can handle it. You smash your car into a concrete wall. I'm sure you're. I you can't know. say anything, yeah. can I? I've nearly <laughs> rolled a few of them as well, but we don't talk about this. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, <laughs> crash on yeah. the Nurburgring. Um, you know. Yeah. Maybe. Nearly I? rolled it with Laura in one night at a drift track, oh. but it doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> we we drove home. It was okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, just the people who've helped me over the years and friends, like all of the Night Spirit guys. We've had some great times. Yeah. And um. Driftworks helped me out when they can, which has been sweet. And then um, Ian from Retro Speed Shop, he's helped me with so much building over the last five years. That, um, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do it without those guys for sure. Or or if I did do it, it would be on much less of a level. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Cars would have been a lot uglier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those guys have helped out a lot over the time. So Great. Yeah, um, yeah well, pause. I, I really appreciate you being on here. I, I definitely think as we discuss um pioneers of drifting in different parts of the world i mean mostly we've focused on the u.s but um with you being um a, a pretty close friend of mine um to see to see you make that journey in the uk kind of on your own over there you know all the way across the ocean um kind of pioneering the UK scene over there along with your friends and um, ex kind of experiencing in parallel what we were experiencing here when the Japanese drivers came over there and kind of showed you how to do things and kind of stepped mm. up your your game and um, just watching watching it progress and then also watching people from the UK coming, you know, leaving the UK to become um, pro drivers here and um, just... yeah. Kind of seeing how all of that went down uh, was amazing, and um, I'm I am very proud of you for for what you've done for drifting in the UK. And that's that's hard for me to say because I'm not from the UK, but uh, you know I see your influences in other people like like Team Techno and um, and the the people that were around you in um, in different types of cars and. Um, you know, I'm thankful for you for for what you've done for drifting culture worldwide, and being a shining light um, for the rest of us in terms of like how how you drive a hachiroku, how you make a hachiroku look good. And um, I I always say when I see a really good hachiroku driver driving, that's one of the few times where I can I feel like I can see an aura. There's an aura about you when you're driving that car. And it's so aggressive and it's so fast and it feels like um, watching you drive beyond the limits of a car. Um, and it's it's so cool to watch and uh, to be able to call you my friend, I think it's great. So Yeah, this is amazing and I appreciate the kind words and 
is it's something we always strive for. I personally always strive for is to try and drive as hard as possible. But there's so much to learn. Yeah. Like a standard A86 engine has got more left in the tank than I can get out of it. And that's what we used to strive for to get the most out of everything. Yeah. And that's still true today. If I do get back into a drift car, nothing will change. I want to go try and be as good as possible. Yeah. Um, but that's, again, thanks to you guys as well, because you were a conduit for me and I could ask you questions and I could see how you guys did things. It wouldn't be the same if I didn't have you guys as friends to bounce things off of and learn from, because, again, we were a step behind you guys. Yeah. So having you as a friend really helped me to, A, get cooler wheels, because you sent me wheels, and, uh, B, just learn learn from you guys you know like, yeah and you could speak to taka and hero and ask them questions on my behalf and stuff yeah. like that so because those guys were legit as well just they were legit yeah shout out those guys their cars were even with usdm bumpers those cars look good oh yeah definitely <laughs> definitely um yeah uh you know uh, you, and you, you didn't even mention your barrels oh dude the legendary <laughs> <laughs> your wheels called the barrels you wanted those so bad for so long um, yeah. But yeah, you know, um, I was always happy to to give you that nudge and to give you that, um, you know, I, I always thought that you were one of the few Hachiroku guys out there. And I, and I know that must have been hard. Um, and so to like always push you and reassure you that what you were doing was great and to keep going like that was uh, I was so happy to do that for you. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. It means a lot. Yeah. All right. So. Thank in closing, you for having me. yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, I can't wait to see you uh, behind a drift in behind the wheel of a drift car again. Yeah, I'm getting itchy again. It's only been like a year and a half. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, looking for cars to buy again. <laughs> it'll happen. I never learn. I never learn. Yeah, it'll happen. It's only a matter of time. So yeah, something will happen. All right. Thanks, Paz. Thank you very Appreciate much. Appreciate you, man. You too, guys. Thanks, Paz. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Salady Mania Podcast Season 2. Brought to you by Falcon Tires. Produced by Benson Sue and Nadine Sue. Audio and video engineering by Mark Mondoy. Graphic design and motion graphics by Steve Nakamura. Got a question or comment for us? Call or text us on our hotline at 323-607-6075. And maybe you can be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you download your podcasts. Mm-hmm.